0: Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Naked Without Shame. We're your hosts, Megan and Morgan, and today we'll be, we will be joined by a friend of ours who is also uh, very <laughs> influenced by John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and we will be hearing her story coming up after this.
1: Open
2: your box. Open up your to cry.
1: Before we begin, um, we'd first like to invite you to download the Awaken app. Um, The Awaken app is basically a social media alternative um, where you can speak with people, um, like-minded people, such as actually Megan and myself. You can talk with show hosts on there, and you can also get access to things like prayers. There's a shop, all sorts of cool features. So to download the Awaken app, go to theawakenapp.io.
0: We also want to invite you to consider joining our patronage membership. If you go to nakedwithoutshameshow.com, you'll get more details on how you can give and support our podcast. Hi, everyone. If you're interested in going on a pilgrimage yet this year, you can visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken.
1: Welcome, Julia. This is our <laughs> dear friend, Julia Bolzon. Um, I met Julia about five years ago. Um, at the John Paul II Institute, where Megan and I um, did a master's, and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> here she is. So thanks so for being, being
0: here.
2: here. This is so cool. I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah, it's good to have
0: you in our studio, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so as Morgan was saying, we've, we've known you for a little while now. Um, you were starting the PhD program at the John Paul, the second Institute when Morgan and I mm-hmm. first arrived. So you're a little bit ha- ahead of the game <laughs> in that
1: respect. We looked up to you. We, were... <laughs> we did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, just so like... yeah, so we, you know, we've gotten to know you over the years, but we just find you, as a person very interesting but also what you're doing with your life um and your interest in particularly human life and bioethics so we're just here to continue to hear about your story so if you want to introduce yourself and just tell us uh about you
2: awesome okay
0: thank you um
2: yeah so i
0: um
2: i'm doing my phd at the john Paul II institute and um, first I started with the master's program and the reason why I went there is because I was always interested in questions about human life um, in high school is when it started. Um, I had you know a religion teacher that um, introduced us to questions about bioethics. I'd never even heard of what bioethics was. I never heard of that word before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of different, units on life issues so for example abortion and i was a very naive young person Mm -hmm. i never really heard of abortion before didn't know what it was um Mm -hmm. things like embryonic stem cell research like i just you know who knew right Mm -hmm. um the word euthanasia he so this was obviously when i was in high school a long time ago he he made the joke that at the time everyone thought the word euthanasia meant youth in asia (laughs) and he would make that that joke and we're kind of like yeah like what is this word we've never heard of before and
1: yeah
2: um yeah i just you know never really all of these ways that human beings and human life were treated maltreated you know violated really struck me i kind of thought like why does this happen it seemed like an injustice and i was so I don't know. Driven to understand. Um, so that that was in high school, and mm-hmm. it was through that high school teacher, um, my religion teacher, that I wanted to pursue these questions about what does it mean to be human, right? Like mm-hmm. what, like, and what does it mean to respect human life, um, to treat human life properly according to what we are, um, and also at the time in high school, um, <laughs> um, yeah, just being taught about god and the fact that god exists and that you know we believe we were made by god right and yeah. kind of like what does that mean and what does it mean that i was created by god and that i exist in this world and so and so yeah so i was really interested in in that at a very deep level and then um
1: you are raised catholic yes i didn't yeah. answer to that question but just for the sake of yeah that. but it, no
2: but okay exactly yeah. raised catholic but never really um, um, like had those questions put to me like what does it yeah. mean that I exist mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what does it mean that God exists you know like you 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 believe it but what like I guess tangibly speaking um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also so this this teacher he taught in a very philosophical way like Socratic way like asking us questions mm-hmm. that made us think and I really just gravitated to that like that was kind of where my desire to study philosophy was born I say like I think
0: he really like drew it out of me um yeah he created that space to like start philosophizing like think about thinking really yes and like like deeper things what things are for yeah you are saying in order to learn how to treat human life like if we understand what life is then we know how to care for it
1: yeah it's not just these rules like the catholic church forbids abortion gay marriage all these things but it's like based in like what you're saying a view of the human person
2: yeah exactly like why is it that you know it's wrong to take human life like wh- why
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and especially you're so you're growing up in canada i don't know if we mentioned that julia's canadian <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They could probably tell by my accent <laughs> a little bit <laughs> a <wee> accent yeah <laughs> yeah um but i'm yeah i at least as I understand it, I don't know much about Canada, but the the kind of the sort of agendas mm. um, and like sort of liberal ideologies are a little more advanced there. Mm-hmm. So, like, things like euthanasia or like gay marriage, like, were kind of probably around the time, well, probably even before the time you were in high school, becoming like really prevalent. Right. Um, but you were at a Catholic school. So it was kind of like maybe you didn't experience it so much in the culture. Mm. I would
2: say that these types of everything you're bringing up i would n- never away- it's not really spoken of in okay. the sense that being pro life and the way that pro life in america is is so different it's very quiet like it's almost like a non-existent i shouldn't say that not that it's a non-existent movement it's just not so public
1: okay um, yeah interesting
2: because religion and morality and all that sort of thing is a very it's very it's in the private sphere It's Mm -hmm. not in your face. It's not in the public square. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why when with my high school teacher getting me to think about those things, I was kind of like, why are these not more discussed? You know, Mm -hmm. why is this my first time thinking about these things? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And so that, that then led you to kind of want to devote like your, your work to that or kind of your, your way of, um, I don't know, study, like the study that you chose, um, and, and learning more about bioethics. So can you explain maybe to our listeners what bioethics is basically? Okay. So, um, oh, let's see.
2: So in, in university in undergrad, I wanted to study philosophy and I, because I wanted to pursue bioethics. Um, but but there is only two bioethics classes. One was called moral issues. And then the other was advanced bioethics and they're like upper year philosophy classes. So you have to like take philosophy to get to them right um
0: wait what was the first question (laughs) (laughs) the first question was what is bioethics okay yes so um,
2: i wanted to study bioethics because i was interested in how ought we to treat human life Hmm. um and i always understood bioethics as this subject looking at um How life is treated in the realm of the life sciences, uh, health, medicine, that sort of thing. When I began to study um, bioethics for research for my dissertation, like I learned a lot more about what is this discipline? What does the word mean? Um, It's a lot broader than I initially thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, essentially trying to understand what... yeah. What is
0: human life and then how ought it to be treated mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. that makes sense so like when we think of bioethics we can kind of think of like these these life issues like mm-hmm. you were saying like abortion um genetic engineering and right okay and, yeah. and these um kind of yeah like yeah controversial or ethical topics that that catholics in particular like have a stance on mm-hmm. but then there's this 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 principle of bioethics, or the subject of bioethics, that helps expand like why, why like we maybe have a stance on certain like life issues mm-hmm. that makes makes sense. Yeah, um, and it's interesting too because I I think as uh, like technology in particular becomes more and more advanced and is able to kind of impress itself or influence human life, we we face these these issues mm-hmm. you know of abortion or of genetic engineering and things like yeah. bioethics kind of becomes necessary when when we start to maybe alter or change or influence the human life mm-hmm. the, yeah. the body
1: you know yeah. we have like capabilities to do like absolutely crazy things now but the question is like should we do them just because we're capable of doing them mm-hmm. and like is this sort of like progress mentality that's like mm-hmm. a very common mm-hmm. widespread mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know understanding in mm-hmm. the past like I don't know 500 Mm -hmm. years yeah like Mm -hmm. is that is that good like Mm -hmm. or how how should we understand that how should we kind of keep that in check basically yeah yeah yeah
2: so yeah that's that's actually that those are exactly that's how bioethics as this new discipline emerged because with all these new technological abilities some examples be organ donation right Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. the invention of the ventilator like was able to prolong life right so all of these new abilities and new powers at the same time a lot of scientists and doctors were asking the question like you know is is this right that we do this like Mm -hmm. you know should we be doing this like uh how do we know basically how do we know you know when too far is too far yeah
1: um yeah what's our measure i think that's like a really difficult yeah
2: question yeah 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 and i get sorry just to add one more thing is that Mm -hmm. bioethics that that term or that uh, that subject of study um it so it yeah Originated in the '60s and '70s um, as a new field, and even today, I just want to say that it's often a very secular subject, right? So mm-hmm. often, um, it's spoken of or, or dealt with, or the way that we should treat human life is done in such a way that excludes questions of religion or theology or God, um, mm-hmm. because we live in a you know pluralistic right society. Um, and mm-hmm. so any speaking about the human being, the thought is that, well, we can't speak of, uh, you know, religious matters because we live in pluralistic society not everybody agrees about religion or morality, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's why I found it so difficult also to study bioethics. Cause I thought, well, what about creation, right? Like what about our relationship with God? Like, what does that have to do with what it means to be human? So mm-hmm. there's always that kind of, um what's the word conflict maybe that that is what led me to to study more um especially from within a catholic worldview i thought how can we articulate and defend what it means to be human in a reasonable way that anyone can understand regardless of religion right like is there something to our humanness that like applies you know regardless of your beliefs for
1: example so you're saying like what you're interested is not just like a catholic i mean it is obviously very influenced by catholic teachings and a catholic worldview Mm -hmm. but you're saying it's like your what you want to do with bioethics is not like specifically catholic like it's just human Yeah.
2: yeah yeah and so so okay for example like i'm really interested in uh, the meaning of artificial reproductive technologies I don't know if you've talked about that on your show no, like, we? No, very that's, interesting that's a really wow I mean yeah. all these subjects are so sensitive because because they're so normal in mm-hmm. society today right so so even to speak about like in vitro fertilization like a lot of us know people that that's how they were conceived yeah. right mm-hmm. but yeah. so my question would be, what does it mean that uh, we're born into the world, right? What does it mean that we have, we come from a mother and a father? What does it mean that some of us now don't come from like a natural union between a man and a woman, right? Mm. That we are created outside the womb or brought into being outside the womb. So, so uh, yeah. And I'm also like really interested in philosophical, pers- like existential perspective. So
0: hmm. interesting, um, yeah. Hmm, that's great so tell us a little bit about um what you're writing on okay (laughs) (laughs) so
2: yeah so what i'm writing on is always sort of been this question that i had since high school right what does it mean you know so bioethics and the human person right what does it mean to be a human person and then how do we let that understanding um help us think about what it means to treat human beings so from my studies at the Institute, um, you know, we read a lot of different philosophers and one of them is uh, a German Jewish philosopher named Hans Jonas that you guys didn't know of. <laughs> um, he's a very little known philosopher, but he, so this 20th century, so he fought in World War II and then he emigrated to America and lived in New York for the rest of his life. Um, he was really interested in the question of being alive and what does it mean to be alive A living being an organism Hmm. um what is aliveness and what's the relationship between human being and then the rest of other living beings so i was exposed to his work and um he has such a very like a rich philosophical and metaphysical perspective on being so that's, so I don't know if you've talked about <laughs> <laughs> <what> <laughs> metaphysics
1: is. We've talked around it. I don't know if we've used that word metaphysics. Mm-hmm. How would we describe metaphysics?
2: I, okay. I would say, so this, <laughs> the study of what things are, Yeah. but I, uh, you know, I know people, you know, use it in different ways and the, you know, the technical definition, but so for me, it's the study of being, of what mm-hmm. things are, mm-hmm. um,
0: being and existing.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm applying his thought to bioethics because, um, as I said, he emigrated to America. Um, so he's German born, um, lived in New York um, during the 60s and 70s, when all of these questions of medicine, science, technology were really in the air. And he was actually involved in um, the founding of one of the first centers of bioethics called the Hastings Center. So... Um, I find his thought is so, um, he was there at the time when all these questions were in the air. And so he applied his thinking about the living being to bioethical questions. So what I'm doing is kind of mining his thought for what did he say? um, How is it helpful to our understanding of the living being? And how Mm -hmm. can that help us in our thinking about bioethics today? Very
1: interesting. Yeah. So you're saying he's not Catholic, Right, but he, you would kind of agree with his, we we're saying metaphysical assumptions, like his assumptions about what reality is, what being is. That's yeah. interesting to me. That yeah. you, you'd say that like you relate to him, or you think that it's helpful for your own, yeah, kind of the- very Catholic. Um,
2: that's a really really good point because yeah exactly that you know why am i using a non-catholic thinker and that's exactly why is because he's asking the question of being and i think he comes to some really good Mm. also he he brings out things that weren't seen before so for example his um he helps to show where did our conception of being come from what are the, the the origins um And by that, I mean, you know, we often view the human being in a dualistic way. Have you talked about
1: dualism? Is this too much? I mean, I think this is, we don't use the word dualism, but we talk about it all the time. Okay. The separation between body and soul, body and spirit.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Body, the material, and then the spiritual or immaterial. So the Mm -hmm. mind, for example, Mm -hmm. or the spirit. Mm -hmm. So. He wants to show why is it that, you know, in our 20th century society, like in his time and ours, why do we have such a dualistic conception as mm-hmm. if our mind and, and our person, our I, like my being, as if it's separate from my body, right? That what and who I am is just my mind mm-hmm. and I have this body, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so I you know our body is just like this material thing uh a, a part of us but not who we are right and mm-hmm. and the reason why he was looking at that is because of this question of brain death is this getting into too much <laughs> no it's great okay. keep going so so in 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 the 60s um it, this quest, this this new thing called brain death emerged which was essentially um um severely injured patient so had a severe catastrophic brain injury so they were in a coma they are comatose
1: mm-hmm.
2: being comatose was also a new condition because the ventilator was a new invention so you previously could not keep people alive right if you had a, a, a severe brain injury um you would you you would progress to death um um eventually your heart's going to shut down because you can't breathe anymore because your brain stem controls respiration mm-hmm. so um, there was a new proposal to change what it means to be dead from a cardiopulmonary definition to a brain-based definition, meaning that if your heart is still beating, but your brain is no longer active or functioning fully, like, you know, f- they call whole brain death, mm. that essentially you would be dead. Interesting. Even though your your heart is still beating with the help of a ventilator, right? So you're, you're responsible respiring um respiration is still occurring so hans jonas was he was involved in like thinking through the implications of that new definition and he was just sort of like why would we call somebody dead who's still animated right that that do- it doesn't make sense yeah. and so yeah. and so um he called it a uh sort of re-emergence of this dualism between body and soul that in our time is a brain body dualism and Mm -hmm. him as a philosopher he wanted to show that this can actually be traced back to um the 16th and 17th century so the, the birth of modern science um and modern philosophy and um a new way of thinking about reality so he so he wanted to show okay where did dualism um where did this dualism at the end of the twentieth century? Where can it be traced back to? So, how can we understand why is it that we think this way? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, does About that make sense? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah. A, yeah. A
0: because sense. because in order to get to where we are with yeah, like you're saying, changing what death is to being at the level of the brain, it came from like a thought that has been evolving mm-hmm. that has created the the understanding of the science and the technologies to then. Be able to have the ventilator to to have this this life issue this question mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. Um, and in redefining what life is mm-hmm. and what death is mm-hmm. so it comes from like a trace of thought that's emerged
2: yeah. yeah interesting and also that um for example things like the invention of the ventilator like all of these life-saving technologies they like they're good right I mean they're' They were created right. for a good purpose, like for a good thing. Mm-hmm. But no one would yeah. have ever thought, right? How does this change how we think about the human being, what it means to be alive? not just in thought like not just in theory but then in practice yeah so it created new practices that never before existed that now we have to deal with that's so interesting ethically right never before was it possible to keep a comatose person alive
1: that's so interesting and so that like separation that you're talking about between like um being being alive and then brain death yeah yeah um that like goes on to influence like other issues mm-hmm. basically i mean like i just thought of like the case of maybe I, maybe i'm getting wrong this wrong but it, like terry shivo is that similar, like, yes. would you say it's influenced at least by this, like, discussion of brain death?
2: Okay, thank you for bringing that up. So this past, so actually, the reason why I'm in the states, is kind of,
1: because the, I don't know if this is
2: good on air, but the, the borders is closed. I'm here because I went to a conference. I don't know if you have to take that out. No, um, I, I, no, no, no. This is legal. Legal, legal. I went to a conference this past weekend. Um, uh, on moral theology, and the main speaker was this uh, professor Charlie Camosi, mm-hmm. um, who just wrote a book called "Losing Our Dignity," which I would—I so I would recommend this book because it was actually a yeah, fantastic. To I listened to the audiobook and heard him speak. He wants to show why is it that in in our in contemporary society that persons who human beings who have lost their mental. Capacity, their ability to think whether, whether in embryonic life. So beginning of life, right before our ability to think is really formed or at the end of life, either brain dead patients or people in uh, vegetative states like Terry Schiavo. He wants Mm -hmm. to show that. um, Why is it that we view them as worthless Mm -hmm. or kind of gone? Right. Because, because they're no longer, uh, fully present or aware almost you know the, again the separation between person and human being so a lot of people might say that terry shiva as a person no longer exists right that she died
1: because it's, she can't cognitively function
2: exactly anymore. and 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 she's um minimally responsive so okay the, the terry shiva okay the reason why i bring up this book is because he goes through the details and her story in a lot more detail that I think is really important
0: to know right like who was she yeah um she's sorry could, go ahead could you maybe explain who she is for yeah. those who don't yeah uh, who those who, who are listening don't know who she yeah
2: is. yeah I hope I, I do this justice that's why I I bring up his book because he, he okay. explains it um really well but yeah. um Terry was um, a young woman who I believe she had a stroke in her early 20s, like a really bad hmm. stroke that left her, um, uh, yeah, not able to to use her full mental capacity. So in what was then called a persistent vegetative state. Okay. So at the time, what science knew about that condition, they labeled it this vegetative state. Um Yeah, in the sense that her rational capacities weren't fully there. So Mm -hmm. Terry was still awake. Um, She couldn't speak, right? She could eat. Mm -hmm. um, You know, she could respond
0: to you, right? She was Mm -hmm. aware,
2: but her response was
0: limited. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, But her
0: body was functioning.
2: Yeah, her body. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, she did not need a ventilator. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I don't... I should... um, she did, yeah she did not need a ventilator right okay. um okay and and so the the controversy there was that you know what what was the the value or the worth um not worth isn't um was her life meaningful to her to to be alive in that mm-hmm. condition
1: and was she still herself kind of like you were saying before like was right. she still cherry shibo?
2: right even though her she, she's mentally different um mm-hmm. yeah so, I forget the uh, initial question, but I was so glad that you
1: brought that up. <laughs> Dang. Um Well, just the connection between that and brain death. Like, I, I was kind of yeah. surmising that, like, potentially the separation between, like, being physically alive and, like, the brain death definition of death or mm-hmm. aliveness, mm-hmm. Um, like, that could potentially lead to us saying, well actually it's not just if someone's brain dead it's if someone stops functioning cognitively yeah that we could say that they basically
0: they're not alive they're, like, not, they're, alive not, anymore. they're
1: not who they are anymore and so they're not mm-hmm. yeah they're not alive
0: yeah
1: I mean all sorts of other issues yeah. I mean with euthanasia I feel like it's also like yeah. Different but like potentially related. Or like,
2: dementia. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that's why so that's what made me think of Charlie Camosi's book. It's called Losing Our Dignity. <laughs> we, we gotta look at it because he draws those parallels and he shows exactly that point. Wow, that's really And he he also draws from um new research by um a neurologist who's also a, like a, a bioethicist, Joseph Finns, who explains that our understanding of this vegetative state has changed and grown and that in the 90s so this terry schiavo um this happened in the 90s and she died in 2005 so at relatively recent mm-hmm. like that's you know i remember
1: it being on the news yeah when I was
2: a kid. Mm-hmm. yeah um that what we once thought that people in that condition were completely you know unresponsive unaware that actually with all these new ability you know to do brain scans right to to measure the level of activity that they actually were much more aware than what was thought at the time so there's wow. actually a, yeah a lot of tragic consequences of that you know That's people crazy. left to be vegetables right yeah. and not interacted with simply because we thought that they weren't all there interesting right they
1: understood more than they were able to communicate basically. exactly
2: exactly wow. yeah wow. and so the whole the whole um, this, this I find so fascinating, but the relationship between our minds and our brains and our bodies is, is mm-hmm. so mysterious and so yeah. like, uh, not little known, but there's so much to learn about it that, you know, we yeah. shouldn't presume uh, to think or to know more than we actually do because, yeah. because God. Mm-hmm.
1: We can take Consciousness tools and measure whether is someone's mysterious. alive. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like you can't, how can you measure that
0: physically,
1: you know? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And as you're talking, it just makes me, once again, like believe in the reality that like the body matters so much and that we are a part of the body or like we are a body. We are a body. It's not like we have a body, yeah. right? Yes. That is mm. key. That yeah. is key. No, that is so, so key. Exactly that, that like... Mm. Um, I kind of
2: said, it, yeah. I don't know who. I don't know who said that initially, right? That we are our bodies, yeah. Right, like we who are. we are is not just mm-hmm. me, Julia inhabiting mm-hmm. a body, mm-hmm. right? But like who I am yeah.
0: is this union mm-hmm. of the immaterial with the with, yeah, the physical. Yeah body yeah Mm -hmm. and if Mm -hmm. i can remember correctly from studying a little bit of han sionis too at the john paul ii institute he emphasizes that like life is actually a lot about like metabolism and just like the the real biological Mm. um functions of life that that allow it to survive like Mm -hmm. kind of foundationally right so he emphasizes things like yeah metabolizing and um I don't know. You could probably add more, but
2: so that's okay. Yeah, that's mm. a good, interesting thing you bring up. So it's this question of what does it mean to be a living thing in comparison to a dead thing or a non-living thing, right? So think of a rock, yeah. Then think of a plant. Think of uh, an insect, and then think of a computer, mm. right? So, like, what's the difference in the being of all of those things? And so, Hans Jonas wanted to show that what uniquely characterizes living things is metabolism, meaning this exchange of matter between between their like the I guess when you call it their body and the external environment okay. and to show that that exchange is a self-initiated thing hmm. right so so the insect or a plant, right a living being has this fundamental and ongoing exchange, that is what um, keeps it alive. But that, that, for example, even a plant like photosynthesis, like the plant has the ability to do that of its own accord. So it's not like a machine in the sense that someone has to turn the machine on in order for it to like be running. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. so that aliveness and metabolism is this um, autonomous or self uh or intrinsic to that being Mm -hmm. whereas a machine um the machine's functioning is extrinsic meaning that something outside of the machine well first of all builds it but also has to initiate its its motion or its movement Mm -hmm. um
0: so interesting interesting. Yeah. yeah those are good thoughts yeah yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well,
2: before we wrap, Sorry, I was getting really excited. Oh, no,
0: that's so great. That's awesome. You have a lot of
1: knowledge to share. So, yeah, yeah. That's super interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish we could go more into it. I
0: know we could. We should. But, <laughs> but to maybe wrap up. Yeah. Um, did you have a thought, Morgan?
1: Mm. I guess I just want to like really quickly close because I feel like we opened all this stuff in this discussion and we didn't yeah. like actually that's draw any point. conclusions. Well, <laughs> yeah, we we alluded to conclusions. conclusions. Yeah. But yeah, like what? What would you say is like? death mm. <laughs> like, what is a true death because we're talking about how brain death okay. assumes this dualistic separation between the body and soul um so like how should we look at death
2: hmm.
1: um yeah yeah i don't know so
2: oh yeah so death is um how, how do we understand it right so the separation of the soul from the body hmm. um, biologically speaking so there's different ways of right uh, at what sort of level Hmm. so metaphysically speaking um and the reason why this relates to the the aliveness is um so okay no i I need to (laughs) to (laughs) to backtrack but just so the soul um is the living principle right so the reason why we say death is the separation of soul from body is because without the animating principle that that's like, that's sort of what death is. And then it, there's a disintegration because, um, the principle of animation is no longer there. So I will stop metabolizing once I cease to be alive because the, 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 the internal, um, motion or like the impetus of being alive is, mm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Biologically speaking, yeah. um, what we look for are signs that death has occurred. Okay. So for example, the, the cessation of heartbeat yeah. is a sign that the animating principle is no longer there because what was once almost keeping you alive is now gone. Mm-hmm. So biologically speaking, we look for signs that death has occurred. Okay. Um, does that, yeah. yeah, definitely, Absolutely. definitely. So yeah. it's it's not
1: this like sort of like I declare you dead because you're not thinking anymore,
2: right? So or you're not so, who
1: you were anymore,
2: right? So that yeah. definition of death is based on our 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 assumption that what it means to be alive is to be able to think, is you know that sort of personhood definition, right? Mm-hmm. I am right. my my brain, for example,
1: yeah. Um,
0: okay, yeah. so good, very interesting. I like that. Thank you so much, Julia, for being on our show today. <laughs> thanks for having me, <laughs> all the way from Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we appreciate you coming and uh, stopping in and just sharing your knowledge on your topic of bioethics, and we look forward to hearing more about uh, your studies and like what you're learning too. Great. So, yep. yeah. So, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in. We will see you next time.